Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are some things that I wanted to share with you last week that we just didn't have time for. And so um, I thought, well, this would be a good opportunity to share those things with you uh, that I missed last week. So this is kind of a bonus as we uh, I have a few more things to say about the text we looked at last week. So if you've been with us, you know that chapter 20, who's been with us? Who was with me last week? Show, your show of hands, show of hands. You were with me last week. Good. That's a good number of you. You know that 20 chapters of the Gospel of John are written to cause us to believe, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. I want you to go back just one chapter and look at uh, verse 30 with me. Go to chapter 20 and look at verse 30 and 31. I told you that this is the reason that John wrote the Gospel of John in chapter 20. The whole reason why he wrote the, 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 the book of John, the Gospel of John. Verse 30 and 31. And truly did Jesus many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might, what saints, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Twenty chapters of the Gospel of John are written to cause us to believe, and that by believing you will have life in his name. I told you last week in chapter 21, give me your attention please. I told you last week in chapter 21, chapter 21 is an appendix or an epilogue. An appendix is a story tacked on to the end of a story to pull things together and tie things up. Chapter 21, you got your pen, is post-resurrection. Post-resurrection, Jesus showed up in chapter 21 on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Gennesareth, Chenoth, all of these are words for Tiberias, are words for Galilee. Just, he shows up on the shores of the Galilee. Seven of his disciples have decided to go fishing. They had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. Jesus is standing on the shore. They didn't know it was him. Jesus yells out, hey, fellas, you caught anything yet? They said, no. He said, then throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find them. And they caught how many fish saints? How many fish saints? Yeah, look at verse 11, chapter 21. They caught how many fish saints? 153, and they could hardly draw the net in the boat. Now listen, post-resurrection, look at me, let me have your attention. Post-resurrection, Jesus, prior to this scene on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had already met with Peter. He had already seen Peter, already talked to Peter. Well, how do we know that? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 6 says this, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, 
and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by whose saints? Cephas. Cephas is another name for Peter. Then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have died and fallen asleep. And so Jesus and Peter met privately post-resurrection. We're not told what they talked about, but obviously it went well because when Peter realized that it was Jesus on the shore, look at chapter 21 and verse 7, he jumps into the water, he dove into the water to swim to Jesus. Now in chapter 21, if you're taking notes, you probably want to write this down. Jesus is recommissioning Peter. He's recommissioning Peter. Remember, Peter lost his commission when he denied the Lord three times. Post-resurrection, Jesus picked him up and dusted him off and reinstates him and restores him and recommissions him back to ministry. So Jesus asked Peter publicly, Pete, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep is another way of saying you're still on the job, Peter. Now, it was important, listen, that Jesus restored Peter publicly so the other disciples can see that Peter had been restored because Peter was going to be a leader in the early church. Remember, Peter, James, and John were pillars in the church in Jerusalem. So in our text, Jesus gives Peter three shots to restore himself by asking three questions, which appear to be the same question, although very different. We talked about it last week. I got a little more to say I've titled this sermon, Love Jesus, Question, Feed His Sheep. John chapter 21, Love Jesus, Feed His Sheep. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. If you're looking at verse 15, I want you to say a hearty amen. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, what do he say, saints? Feed my lambs. Y'all reading the same Bible I am? Uh-huh. What do you say, saints? Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, what do you say, saints? Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was, underlined this, grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You get a sense of frustration there, don't you? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, what do you say, saints? Feed my sheep. Stop right there. Give me your attention. If you were with us, you know, John is approximately 90 years old as he writes this gospel. This gospel is written after being beaten and boiled and banished sometime after John came back from the rocky barren island of Patmos. Uh, In verse 18, you remember last week, look at verse 18. Jesus said to Peter, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished, but when you were old, you stretched out, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. So verse 18, Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. And then Peter said, Jesus, you've told me how I'm going to die. Now what about John? How's he going to die? Peter's something else, ain't he? He's something else. Look at verse 22. Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? 
Now, in the Greek language, listen, you write this down. In the Greek language, that means none ya. None your business. What happens to John? If I die, if I will, if it's my will that he remain till I come, what's at your business? You, Peter, are to follow me. So this weekend, I'm preparing my study, and I ask myself the question, what about John? What about him? How did his life end? Well, history tells us that Domitian demanded to be worshipped. And because John and the Christians refused to worship him, he declared war on the Christians and the leaders of the Christian church. And by this time, John is about 100 years old, and Domitian tries to kill John by putting him in a cauldron of boiling oil. Are you listening? But he didn't die. So when Domitian heard that John didn't die, he banished John to Patmos, 10 miles long, 5 miles wide. It's an island of hard labor with little to no clothing, little food, no vegetation. Well, John survived, and Domitian dies, and John is freed, and he comes back, and he writes the book of Revelation. John went back to the church in Ephesus, and he died around A.D. 89, A.D. 120, somewhere around there. At this point, all the other disciples are dead. John was the last living apostle. John loved Jesus, you know this, and Jesus loved John. How do we know that? Because John told us over and over and over throughout the gospel, read your Bible. I, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John let us know that. So John loved Jesus and Jesus loved John. And John is the first to follow Jesus and the last to die. And Jesus said, Peter, whatever happens to John is my business, even if I will, that he remain till I come. Verse 21, look at it. Peter, you follow me. So Jesus and Peter and the disciples are having breakfast on the beach. Now, listen, we know more about Peter in the New Testament. Are y'all listening to me? We know more about Peter in the New Testament than any other disciple in the Bible. Peter's name is mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. Peter was the first disciple to be, to be called to ministry. Peter was the leader and spokesperson for the disciples. Peter was the first to recognize Jesus was, in fact, the son of the living God. Don't you remember in Matthew chapter 16 in Caesarea Philippi? They're standing there, and Jesus said to the disciples, he said, hey, fellas, uh, what's the word on the street about me? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, a lot of people think that you're John the B, because he was reincarnate, John the B reincarnate. And some people are saying, they said, Jesus, they, they're saying that you're Elijah because Elijah was a miracle worker. And some people, Jesus, are saying that you're Jeremiah because Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. And Jesus, we know, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with what, saints? Grief. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And they said, Jesus, some folks don't want to deal with this, so they just are lumping you into a pot with a host of other Jewish prophets. All kinds of answers. And isn't it true? You can go to South Point today and ask people what they think about Jesus, and you'll get all kinds of answers. Some will say he was a really, really good guy. Some will say he was a really good teacher. Some will say that he lived by really high moral standards. Some people will tell you that Jesus is Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, a host of other prophets. Now, you've heard me say this. People are quick to give Jesus priority, but Jesus, listen to me close, he doesn't want priority. 
He wants preeminence. He doesn't want compliments. He wants complete control and authority. Well, the story goes on in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus asked the million dollar question. He said, who do you say that I am? First, he asked, who do men say that I am? And now he's saying, who do you say that I am? That's the million dollar question because it's the most important question. He doesn't say, who does the preacher say that I am? Or who does your grandma say that I am? Or who does your grandpa or your nana or your pappy say that I am? He says, who do you say that I am? That is the most important question. I don't care if you're 18 or 80. The most important thing is that you have to know Jesus for yourself. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. Nobody's getting to heaven on somebody else's coattails. Uh, Well, my my, my parents were preachers and evangelists all my life. I brought up in church all my life. Do you know Jesus? Just because you was brought up in church does not make you a Christian. No more than if I stand in the bar, barn makes me a horse. <laughs> Write that down. Amen. You got to know Jesus for yourself. You have to take Jesus in your heart for yourself. Even during the baby dedication, you notice I pray for that little baby to one day accept Jesus as Lord and Savior for himself, because every man will stand on their own merit when they stand before God. So the big question is, the million-dollar question is, who do you say that I am? Well, it was Peter, you know the story, who piped up and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Christos, the anointed one. And notice he said, you are the one and only Son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the anointed one. And not only that, but there's no other Son of the living God. And not only that, but there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And not only that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Peter gave a very, very theological statement about Jesus. And keep in mind, Peter didn't go to seminary. Peter didn't go to Bible college. People, Peter didn't take any online Bible courses. Say amen. Amen. He didn't have his MDiv, Masters in Divinity. Peter was an unlearned, untrained, uneducated, smelly old fisherman who hadn't gone to seminary, and yet he gives Jesus this incredibly deep spiritual theological answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what? It's probably a good idea that he didn't go to cemetery. I mean seminary. Because some seminaries are now cemeteries. Do you know it is hard to find a good seminary now that is teaching the, the, the clear counsel of the word of God, that's teaching you truth, that's not denying the virgin birth? You know, some seminaries deny the virgin birth. If you deny the virgin birth, I'm sorry, you're not a Christian. I'm preaching to you, okay? I'm preaching to her, Okay? You're not a Christian if you don't believe in the infallible, inerrant word of God. That every word in this book is true, it is right, that God is the judge of all, and that he is righteous in his judgments. If you don't believe in the resurrection, the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus, you cannot be a Christian. These are foundational things. It's very hard to find a seminary that will teach you those things. I'm glad Peter didn't go to seminary because Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And the seminary trained Peter would have said, why, you are the eschatological manifestation of the Imagno Dei. 
And Jesus would say, what you say? You call me what? I'm slap you upside your head. What? I'm what? You see, the seminary trained Peter would have said that. But the Peter that we know from the Bible spoke from his heart. You are the son of the living God. That's not a textbook answer. That is an answer from the heart. Somebody say amen. You are the anointed one. I'm waiting while you clap your hands there. I'm waiting. Absolutely. You are the anointed one. You are God. Okay, let's move forward. Talking about Peter. Remember, it was Peter who stepped up and preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were added to the church that very day. It was Peter and John who saw the man begging for alms and said, Acts chapter 3, write it down, Acts 3, 6, 7, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they took the man by the right hand. I love how specific the Bible is. They took the man by the right hand, lifting him up, And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It was Peter who stepped out of the boat and walked on water. It was Peter who took the message of the gospel and the Holy Spirit to the house of Cornelius. And that's how the gospel got to the Gentiles. Do you understand if Peter had not taken the gospel to this man's house named Cornelius, who was a Gentile, we would not be saved. Am I right about it? Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, write it down. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Somebody say amen. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Fast forward to verse 44 and 45 of the same chapter. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Listen, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, look at me. When Peter went to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, the word whosoever took on a whole different meaning. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word whosoever took on a totally different meaning. You've got to understand that Peter, because he obeyed God, the gospel became inclusive, not exclusive to the rest of the world. And not only to the Jewish people, but to all men everywhere. Listen, without that little scene at Cornelius' house, there might not have been salvation for you and me. Salvation may never have come. Perhaps you never thought of it that way. But salvation would never have come to the Gentile world had Peter not gone to the house of Cornelius. And that is why, listen to me, very important, very key. That is why Jesus wanted to restore and recommission Peter. Because Jesus was going to use him in ministry. So Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And although at first glance the question sounds the same, It's really different. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. The first time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is using the word. Now, you know, in the Greek language, they have four words for love. Agape or agapeo, eros, phileo, and storge. So Jesus is using the word, Peter, do you love me? Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape me? Some people say agapeo. Do you agape me? Agape is the highest kind of love, the greatest kind of love, 
pure love, divine love, a love that only comes from God. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me with a God kind of love? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, when Peter said, listen, yes, Lord, I love you, Peter used a different word for love. He used the word, write it down, phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo. Phileo is a brotherly love. We have the word Philadelphia or philanthropy or philanthropic. Peter couldn't and wouldn't use the word agape because he knew his life would match up with the Lord, I agape you. He knew his life would match up with that. So you got to give him credit. He's being honest. Look at verse 16. The second time Jesus asked Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Jesus changes the question. Notice he doesn't say more than these. Jesus says, okay, Peter, do you even love me like a brother? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. I am fond of you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The lambs are full grown. Okay, Peter, then govern and shepherd and care for my sheep. Look at verse 17, the third time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me like a brother? And this time Peter is grieved because he asked him a third time. Peter said, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, why was Peter grieved? You might have thought he would say, well, thank you, Lord, for asking me three times. Thank you, Lord, for giving me three shots to get back where I should be. Peter is grieved. This word grieve, got your pen? It means aching, aching. Grieved means aching. Peter was aching and hurt. Why? Because Jesus changed the word. The third time, do you love me? Jesus didn't say agape. Jesus said, Peter, do you even phileo me? Peter is grieved because Jesus is challenging Peter's phileo. Jesus said, Peter, you said two times you really have affection for me. Peter, I'm asking you, do you really even have affection for me? Jesus says, Peter, this affection you say you have for me, can it be verified by your life? And that hurt. Because you remember, Peter said, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Jesus said, Peter, even your love that you say you have is limited, and that is evidenced by your life. Now, listen, if you've been asleep, wake up right here. There are a lot of people like Peter. If somebody walked up to them and said, do you love Jesus? They call themselves a Christian. They say, of course I do. I love Jesus. But if you ask them, do you love him with total, complete Agape love, if they're honest, they might have to say no, but I like them a lot. Listen, just like Jesus doesn't want priority and he wants preeminence, Jesus doesn't want you to like him. He wants you to love him supremely. He doesn't want you to like him. He wants you to love him supremely. And for some people, even Christians, Jesus might be looking at you now saying, I didn't even know you liked me because your life doesn't show it. Even if you really liked me, what would you do? You would feed my lambs, or you would feed my sheep, or you would serve my people. Last week, Pastor Ted, if you were with us last week, Pastor Ted, the children's ministry pastor, um, came up and shared with you about the children's ministry need. And by the way, um, from that Uh, sharing from Pastor Ted, 59 people signed up to be involved in children's ministry. I forgot to tell them the first and second service. 
59 people. That's a lot, and that's what we need. But he came up and he shared, and I really liked the way that he shared because he didn't only talk about the children's ministry if you were here. He talked about the ministry as a whole. That, and he even said just that, that if you love the Lord, then you ought to serve the Lord. If you love God, you ought to serve God. Love always goes before feeding First you love Jesus, then you feed his sheep. Love for the Savior is essential for service to the Savior. And I can tell people who love Jesus. And I can tell people who like Jesus. I can tell people who don't know if they like or love Jesus. It's real simple. People who love him are about the Father's business. People who think they love him, they're here on Sunday for the most part. Don't get me wrong. People say they love Jesus, and maybe they do, but their love is suspect if it isn't evidenced by service. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.